Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. I was taking a test the other day in a Harvard classroom, and while I was sitting there reading the questions, I started hearing this pencil tapping. And it was kind of annoying, and I found that I had to actually plug my ears so that I could focus and read the next question and then answer the question. It wasn't like it was a timed test and I was in a rush, but I just couldn't focus and think about what I needed to think about when I could hear that tapping. It didn't stop. It just kept going throughout the class, and pretty soon I started thinking, maybe it's somebody like rocking in their seat or something. And I'd kind of turn around to figure out who was making this noise, Eventually, I figured out that it was somebody outside the classroom. They were pounding on something, maybe a hammer. They were repairing something, maybe in the bathroom right outside. And once I realized it was outside the classroom, there was nothing I could do about it. I just kept up with my little routine of if it started to bother me, I would just plug my ears so that I could just read the next question, answer the question, and then move on. This is an example of like a micro stressor a tiny little micro stressor that required me to be resilient so that I could do what was in front of me and do what I needed to do. After class, I talked to a bunch of the other people and in the class and they said they experienced the same thing. They all had to figure out resilient strategies to figure out how to concentrate when they were taking this test, which was kind of ironic because we were in a class that was completely focused on learning about resilience. So we used our resilient skills to actually focus on being resilient in that situation, in that little micro situation. In the class, we learned that there's really three kinds of resilience and that resilience is needs adversity in order to exist. So you can't just be resilient in a neutral environment. You have to have some kind of adversity to overcome in order for it to be resilience. And so the three kinds of resilience are, first of all, bouncing back. Like if you have some big tragedy happen, it's bouncing back from that tragedy that's considered resilience. It might be a community tragedy, like a big flood or hurricane or tornado, something like that. Or it could be a personal private tragedy, like the loss of a loved one or a a house fire or something like that, or the loss of work. And so resilience is bouncing back from those kinds of setbacks. It's also overcoming at-risk factors, like an at-risk childhood or something like that. There's, If you take 100 kids who are at-risk, some of them are going to have negative results in their lives, but some of them are going to do just fine. And so the scientists would study, like, what's the difference between this little resilient third that seems to do okay anyway? And then they discovered that there's a third kind of resilience, not just bouncing back from hard things or overcoming at-risk factors. The third kind of resilience was sustained resilience, where you have to keep on going in the face of ongoing stressors. So there's these things that keep happening in your life and you have to keep maintaining this sense of balance and this sense of forward momentum and sustained resilience in the face of regular challenge. One of the examples they gave was like someone who's caring for an elderly person or an elderly parent. And there's that constant tension of wanting to care for them, but the constant extra stress that brings to actually be caring for them. The thing that's interesting about sustained resilience 
is that our modern world is built so that we all need sustained resilience. Our brains are being taxed in ways that we don't ask for and that we can't control because we live in this particular world in this particular decade right now. Just like my little pencil tapping story where it was just frustrating me and and overcoming my brain so that I couldn't focus while I was listening to the tapping, our modern world creates that kind of environment times a thousand. There's always been pencil tappers who are annoying in our lives, but in the modern world, we have all kinds of things that are distracting and vying for our attention. Little things that we don't even realize are taxing our brains. For example, we're doing dozens of jobs that we used to have other people do. We're like little micro experts in our lives. We used to have other people be photographers. Now we're doing all the photography online banking. We do our own cashiering. We do all kinds of little tiny jobs. Everybody knows how to type now. Everybody didn't used to know how to type. We have these sets of skills that we need to figure out how to do. And while it doesn't seem like a big deal to learn how to use the scanner and check out your own groceries, it's actually kind of fun. Every one of those little things that we have to learn how to do requires a learning curve And it just is a little extra time and a little extra decision fatigue and just things that we have to do that we didn't have to do before. We also have kind of this hyper immediacy of texting where there's an expectation of reachability that that you should be able to be reached because you always have your phone with you where the phones used to be hooked to the wall. Now they're in your pocket. And that expectation creates another sense of of awareness and alertness in our brain. Our brains are always on hyper alert. There's also this novelty. Our brain likes novelty. It's a little dopamine hit to say, oh, there's something new, which creates this addiction in our social media because we're always looking at, hey, there's something new. Our brain likes that, creates that little dopamine hit. And then we get this, this little pattern of going back to social media when we just want to relax because it feels good. This year, we were working with a bunch of youth to plan our girls camp. And as we talked about what to do to create a good environment, we had younger kids coming this year than we've ever had before. They were 11 years old. And so the 16 and 17 year olds were planning this camp experience for 211 to 15 year olds. And then they would also be a part of managing it and leading it. And one of the things that came up that's never come up before was this need for helping all of the youth deal with anxiety. Some of the young women had never been away from home. Some of them, when they were away from home, felt anxious about it. And so we found all kinds of ways to help the youth relax and help the youth feel comfortable and help the youth deal with their anxiety. We actually had a class on dealing with anxiety. One of the moms said that her daughter learned how to do a breathing exercise. And that simple thing of just stopping and breathing for a minute was huge in helping her manage her anxiety because she didn't know what it was before. She was anxious, but she hadn't been taught that if you pause and breathe, you don't have to be anxious all of the time. We even created a little mindfulness room so that when someone got overwhelmed and needed to come away from things, they could come in this little mindfulness room and have a little bit of of peace and, and get back to themselves. There's a big difference between having a big tragedy that you have to bounce back from and these tiny little micro stressors that we have to deal with on a regular basis. When something big happens, it kind of peels away everything else. 
if you have a fire or a flood, there's nothing else to think about except for recovering from that experience. It affects our circumstances. It affects our emotions. All of our energy goes toward it. Our exhaustion, our, our job, it may or may not be affected by it. Our thoughts of the future. And so everything gets peeled away. And all we do is we spend our efforts and energy into recovering. And so for that reason, and many other reasons, big setback and resilience after big setback is really quite common. It's common for people to be very resilient after a big thing happens to them. That's the norm when they've studied this. It's normal for people to recover and be just fine and come back to their normal lives after a big setback after some time. The thing with these tiny little stressors is that everything doesn't get peeled away. Everything in our lives stays and we still have all these little tiny stressors that happen and they pile up and they pile up and sometimes we're not even aware of them. And so what happens is we get overwhelmed or we get depressed or we have bad days in our lives and bad, bad times where we just think, ah, why can't I get it together? And we think it's us. We think it's our fault. We think it's like, well, we're not good enough. We're not able to figure our lives out. We just can't manage our lives. But really what it is, is it takes new skills, new awareness of what's actually happening underneath it all. We need skills like that young woman had who could breathe when she knew she was feeling anxious. She knew she had some awareness about it and she had a skill specifically that was taught to her to do some deep, slow breathing, and it worked for her. It made a difference. There's all kinds of skills and tools that we can use and awarenesses that we can use about how our mind works and how our bodies work and how stress itself works and how the world works. And when we learn all of those things, we can begin to slowly put them together and put them into practice so that we become more resilient in this world that requires sustained resilience. All of the stressors that we've been talking about are things that we need. It's not something that we want to do away with. Some stress is really good. We have life events, we have the daily hassles, we have our modern world changing a lot and all this tech and those kinds of things, but I don't want to get rid of tech. I love tech. I don't want to get rid of my life events that are happening to me. I learn from them. All that stuff is good. If we didn't have any stress, we'd be this bored blob who's not motivated to get up and do anything. So stress, as we think about it, these these stressors or these life events or these little things that happen to us actually are a part of a normal, good functioning life. The thing that happens is when they pile up too much or when they are kind of at the edge and then something big happens, It just overcomes our ability to cope with it at the moment. So it's temporary. We need this resilience when we have a temporary loss of being overwhelmed or unable to cope with our lives at that time. It's also true that many of us have never been taught how to overcome some of these tiny little things that happen. Anxiety is something that we all experience, but we don't have a class about how to deal with the anxiety, how to reframe it, how to take a look at it, how to calm it down. We don't really have those kinds of skills because we haven't been taught those kinds of skills, at least not yet. Resilience strategies help us once we've become overwhelmed and overtaken by our lives. They help us to get back up, to recognize what happened, to slow down, to make some changes, 
Resilience is this little package of skills that helps us to carry on in a sustained way. Just like if you have a huge setback, like a tornado tearing your house down, part of the repair is going to be in creating a whole new house. That's going to take a lot of energy, a lot of time, and you're going to get back to normal. You're going to have a house again. With the little tiny micro stressors with sustained resilience, we can just do little micro repairs that actually make a difference. So one of my favorite little things for a micro repair or a micro break, just taking a little break in our lives, was something I learned from an article where a doctor would take this thing he called his five minute nap. So you know that moment when you get just exhausted, you're just like, I just can't do this. I'm so tired. At that moment when he felt that between his next little set of appointments, he would go into his office, he'd set a timer and he'd lay his head down on the desk and he would completely relax. He would just completely let his whole body feel like it was falling asleep. The timer would ring and he would feel more rested and energized. And so I've tried that in my life, this little tiny micro break where I say, Right now at this moment, I'm feeling exhausted. So rather than pushing through, which is what I used to do, I'll just go set a little timer and I'll take a short, short little break. Even if I can't go somewhere, if I'm just sitting where I am or standing where I am, I'll let myself completely relax. It's better if you can lay down, completely relax like you're falling asleep. And it sends a signal to your body that it can recover, that you're going to be okay and it changes your heart rate. It changes all kinds of little things inside. So a five minute nap is just one of hundreds of different kinds of tiny little resilience tools that we can use in order to help our lives run better, to help our lives be more manageable, to cope when we're feeling overwhelmed. And even strategies to recover when we've had a long go of it and we just know we've been stretched a little bit too thin and need to build up our own resilience and wherewithal back up. That's really what life-changing principles is all about. It's about taking each layer and learning how to unpack it, taking a solid look at it, separating it from ourselves, and then doing something about it. Every episode, we take a true principle that when understood, changes our lives. Because once we understand true principles, it's natural to put them into practice. Today's principle is modern life taxes our brains in ways we're not even aware of. Modern life taxes our brains in ways we're not even aware of. Once we understand that, then our lives make more sense. Why a little tiny thing can put us over the edge. Our solutions become more manageable because we can create solutions that are micro skills and micro tools. And it allows us to be kinder to ourselves because it's not just me. We think that we can't handle our lives because we're not good enough, because it's not, because it's me, because I just can't do this. But it's not. It's me plus living in a really complex world that's part of the problem. So now I can be a little bit kinder, kinder to myself. I can still step up and act on what I know, but be gentle in the process. You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 
Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.